Well, it's, uh, it's really an honor to be here again, y'all. And uh, <clears throat> like Derwin said, um, we've been coming here. I think the first time we talked about it today, when we first came here, Jeremiah wasn't born yet. You were pregnant with him. And now he's about to turn 10. So that's... Y'all were just little <laughs> somethings. Now y'all look like men, you know. And uh, I praise God. Um, I praise God that we, we have such a good relationship and that we keep having the ability to come here. And the fact that God has kept us here that long. Think about that, right? Think about that. Well, let's get into this because we don't want to waste any time today. That's cool with y'all? Yeah. All right, y'all, wake up. Y'all, it's cool with y'all? It's the second service now, so it's like none of y'all should be tired. Y'all should be like, y'all slept a little longer than everybody else. So you should be fresh, ready to go. All right? Amen? Amen? All right, good, good, good. Y'all should be jumping off the hook right now, so I just want to make sure y'all ready to roll. Um, I, this is my prayer, and this is my, this is, I pray that you guys have come into this place hungry. I pray that you come, and I always pray this, and I'm praying today that you guys come into this place starving for the Lord. Because every time you come starving, you will leave full. Because the Lord is faithful in that he will prepare a, a feast for you. And if you're hungry, you'll come and you'll eat. So I pray that you will come and eat today, and that something that is said, something that is done will impact your life and bring glory to God in your life and that you'll remember it forever. That's my prayer today. And I know God is faithful. His word will not return to him void or empty. It's going to hit the mark. You just got to make sure the mark is ready to get hit. Okay? Y'all ready? Y'all ready? All right, good. You sure? I'm fired up this morning, so let's get rolling. Let me ask you guys a question. If I were to say, if I were to say the name Wayne Gretzky, what would you say? Hockey player, right? If I said uh, Michael Jordan, what would you say? Basketball player. Space Jam. <laughs> Shoes, right? If I were to say, uh, if I were to say Barack Obama, what would you say? Justin Trudeau. Prime Minister. Um, Napoleon. French. Tyrant. Good grief, man. <laughs> All right, cool. And, and you know what? So when you say Gretzky and Jordan, all these, you know, different people and stuff like that, you, you're 100% right in saying basketball, hockey, president, prime minister, whatever. You're 100% right, but at the same time, you're 100% wrong. Because I asked you, who is Wayne Gretzky? Who is Michael Jordan? You said basketball and hockey. That's not who they are. That's just what they do. It's a big difference. It's a, it's a huge difference between knowing somebody, who they are, and what they do. If I were to say the name Mark Washington, you may say, oh, yeah, B.C. Lyons, D. Corton. That's just what I do. That's not who I am. That's not who I am. All right? And so today we want to look at who we are, not simply what we do, all right? Church is nice. We come here every Sunday, and this is great that we do this, 
but this isn't who we are. All right? You're a pastor. That's just what you do. That's the vocation that God has given you. That's the ministry he's given you. But that's not who this man is. So today we're going to look at some of the things of who we really are in Christ. Okay? Y'all get that? So open your minds up and let's get ready to roll. Now, you know, it's amazing how names are important. Gretzky and Jordan and Southern Soul, all these different, they're important. Names are, are critical because a name is a way of identifying a person, all right? I always get you too confused. I'm like, which one is Noah, which one is Caleb? And I got to remember, like, the order. I try to remember biblically, but then that's backwards. So then I had to flip it around, <laughs> right? Yeah. It's confusing, right, you know? So a name is important because, you know, nowadays, you know, we, you named him Caleb for a reason. You didn't just, Caleb, all right, yeah, no, you didn't. Names are important. Name, when you name a person, the name is a part of their identity, who they are. That's how you know this guy from that guy. Names, all right? In, in, in ancient times, a lot of times, the name would mark your position, if you had a high rank or you were a low rank, your name would say it. You're, you weren't just John. You were the John, the Duke of Earl. That means you were a duke. That means you were somebody important. You weren't just some scrub. You understand? So the name, the name also marked your purpose. Your purpose. So you look at a name like um, Jesus. Very common name back in the day. But it meant that the Lord God save us. The Lord will save us from our sins. He will rescue us. He will save us. It's just the name Yeshua or Joshua. It's just a common name, but it means save us. You're going, you come to save us from our sin. So that was his purpose. That's why his parents named him that. You're going to do that. It's like, I don't know, it, it, if, if you had a purpose, you, whatever your purpose is, your purpose would be an influencer of young women. That'd be a funny name to have, wouldn't it? Hello, influencer of young women. <laughs> what kind of name is that? It's not a good name. But that's the purpose, though. That's what you've called. That's what God has called you to do. And back in the day, that's what they would do. They would name their kids according to their position, their purpose, and he would also name them according to their past. Something that happened in the past. Something that happened. For example, y'all know the name Jabez. All right? That's not a good name to have. It means to cause pain. <laughs> What's up with that? I guess, you know, after 48 hours of labor, and his mom is just pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing, and, and then finally he's born, and what are you going to name the boy? Jabez. <laughs> Why? Because you caused me pain, boy. You imagine walking around the rest of your life? Everybody know everything about you in one word. What's your name? J-Bass. Oh. Don't shake his hand. He'll break it. You understand? We can learn. Hey, you see a person's name and you know everything about him. Let's look at a guy in the Bible. Jacob. Now that seems like a very nice name. Any Jacobs in here? No Jacobs? All right. The name Jacob, just a common name. It's a cool name, right, to have? Yeah, but it means trickster. 
It means liar. It means he deceives. Could you imagine growing up with that name? As soon as you meet somebody, hello, how you doing? What's your name? My name is but my name is Jacob. I don't know. Is that the truth? <laughs> is your name really Jacob? Jacob, is it raining outside? Yes. Is it really? He could have a conversation with a person because every time he would talk to a person, they're looking at him like, hmm. We all have a past. We all have a name. We all have something. But let me tell you something. Jacob, his name may have been Trickster. He may have been, and, and trust me, he was a trickster man. He, he pulled a lot of fast ones on a lot of people. He pulled a fast one on his dad and everybody. All right? He pulled a fast one on his brother. I mean, he knew how to manipulate people. All right? So he was living up to his name in every way. But something happened to Jacob. Something happened. He had an encounter with the living God, and it changed his life. It says in Genesis chapter 32, it says this, Then Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled in him until daybreak. That man was an angel, by the way, angel of the Lord. When he saw that he had not prevailed against him, he touched the socket of his thigh so that the socket of Jacob's hip was dislocated while he wrestled with him. Then he said, let me go, for dawn is breaking. But Jacob said this. This is Jacob. He said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. Okay. So he said to him, this is the angel saying to Jacob, he said to him, What's your name? Now, do you think the angel knew his name? I think he knew. But he's just, he wanted to make sure that Jacob knows, like, wait, stop. What's your name? My name is Jacob. He's re-identifying the trickster, the liar, the deceiver. Y'all see that? Oh, okay. Hmm. Yeah, you're that guy, you're the trickster, you're the liar, you're the deceiver. No, 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 no. And he said, Jacob. And he said, your name should no longer be Jacob, but Israel. What kind of name is that? For you have striven with the Lord and with men, and you have prevailed. The name Israel means to wrestle with God. To wrestle with God. To fight and to wrestle. Wait a minute. You mean I'm no longer a trickster? No. You mean I'm no longer a liar? No. I'm no longer a deceiver? No. You are the one who has wrestled with God. You've won. Let me tell you something, y'all. I don't know what your name is. Your name is Bruce, though, right? All right. So I do know your name. So his name may be Bruce. Your name may be this. Your name may be that. Your past may be this. Your purpose may be that. But I'm telling you something. When you have a wrestling match with the living God, he will change you. He will change you. Before you knew the Lord, your name was Bruce. Now that you know the Lord, your name is still Bruce. But let me tell you something. He's given you a new name, my friend. The Bible says that when we get to heaven, he's going to give us a name engraved on a stone that only he and you will know. Isn't that awesome? So no longer are you trickster. No longer are you a, 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 a Jacob. You are now the one who has wrestled with God. When you wrestle with God, he changes your life. Your you get that? That's a good thing. Let me tell you all something, though. The enemy we face, though, he want to keep you thinking that you're Jacob. 
the number one tool he used, one of the greatest uh, tools he uses is to try to think, keep you thinking that you're just Jacob. You're no longer Jacob. You are Israel. I got a new, I'm a new man. I'm a new woman. I'm a new person. I'm no longer that old person who used to lie and cheat and steal. And I'm no longer a trickster. I'm no longer this. I'm no longer that. I've had an, I've had an encounter with the living God, and he has changed who I am. So just in case we don't know, what we're going to do today, we're going to go through a list of I am's. And it's for our benefit, for us to know who we are. So when I say Bruce, I won't say the guy who wears the gray shirt. I will say Bruce is, we'll go over that in a second. Because we have had an encounter with the living God. I pray that something that is said today really pow, hits you in the face and that you get it. Okay? So y'all cool with that? Y'all ready to go? Come on, y'all. This sermon is not even started yet, so let's go. <laughs> All right. Here we go. I am. When I say I am, I want you to read it. I want you to read it loud. I am. Bruce, that's who you are. I am loved by the Father. Let me tell you something. The earth, you can feel like you're the only person on earth and nobody loves you. No one thing, you're loved by the Father. What do you mean by that, Mark? What do you mean? What are you talking about? It says this. It says in Romans 5, 8, it says, But God demonstrated his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Love is a thing that you just can't say. Love is something that you got to do. You understand? Love needs to be demonstrated. That's your wife, right? <laughs> uh, did you take her out for Valentine's Day? Yeah. Did you tell her you loved her? Yeah. And did you show your love? Yeah, I bought flowers. Oh, you bought flowers and stuff. <laughs> hey. This morning, the dude didn't do anything. Yeah, yeah. yeah but he's still doing it. Yeah. They, they, they young, though. They still, you know. Yeah. <laughs> How long y'all been married? Three months tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I was expecting him to say like 20 years or something like that. He said two months. Take that, Mark. Ha ha. <laughs> Gotta be awesome. That's sweet. Praise. You love her, don't you? Don't you show it? See, that's, see, love is to be demonstrated. It's not just to be, me, 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 I love you, I love you. No, demonstrated because God demonstrated it for us. He showed his love for us. He showed how much he cares and loves us because he gave us his son, Jesus Christ. So when you say, I am, I am loved by the Father. How do I know? Because he gave his son for me. I know I'm loved by the Father because he's given me the most precious and awesome thing, his son. Y'all get that? I am loved by the Father. It says this, John 3, 16. For God so what? Keep reading, keep reading. Start, stop, 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 start over, start over, start over. You guys are terrible. Start over. 
John 3, 16. Go. That's awesome. Now, here's the cool thing about John 3.16. He got a twin in his first John 3.16. Y'all see that one? Read that one. Wow. How much are you loved? A lot. I am loved by the Father. So even when I don't feel love, when I feel lonely, when I feel like, oh, I'm such a loser, I'm such a this. No, I'm not a loser. I am not a that. I am. Y'all get that? That's significant. That's awesome. The greatest gift that we can do is to lay down our lives for something. The greatest uh, sacrifice we have, the most valuable thing we have is our lives and for us to lay it down. And Jesus did that for us. He says this in John 15, 3, 15, 13, 15. He says, this greater love has no man than this, than he laid down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you slaves, for a slave does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends for all things that I have, I have heard from my father I have made known to you. You know what? I'm laying down my life for you, friend. You don't think you're loved? I know you think you're loved because y'all still got that puppy love. That fresh two-month love. That's sweet. But you're loved. When you're in your basement by yourself, when you're alone by yourself, when all you have is nothing, you're loved. Say, I am loved by the Father. Father. Hallelujah. Now, here's the cool thing about this love relationship we have with Jesus. Is that in order for us to really fully appreciate the fullness and the, and the, to- the totality of what God has done in your life, you need to realize the first fact that God loves you. It says this in Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 17 and 19. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth, and to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge. It doesn't even make sense how much he loves you. It blows your mind. It pops your head off how much he loves you. That you may be filled to all the fullness of God. Let me tell you all something. I want the fullness of God. I don't want half God. I don't want a quarter God. If there's God and I know he's real, I want all of him. And for me to have all of him, I need to come to the first thing. He loves me. He says, for you to know the breadth and the width and the height and the length, that's four dimensions. We live in a three-dimensional world, but yet God loves us in four dimensions. He's loving me in places I don't even know exist. Think about that. Pretty sweet, huh? So wherever you go, he's loving you. Even if you're going to places that don't exist, he's there loving you in a fourth dimension. You don't think he loves you? I don't care what that boy say. I don't care what that little teenage knucklehead boy say. God loves you. You know what I'm talking about, too. All right? So I am loved by the Father. I am what? Purchased at a steep price. 
In other words, you're valuable. What makes something valuable? It's the price. It's the price. What are you willing to pay for it? And God is willing to pay everything for you. It's reflective of his love for you. In other words, I am very valuable because I've been bought at a steep, steep price. The Bible says in in Romans 6.23 that the wages of sin is death, which we have earned. We have earned death from our sin. But Jesus paid that wage for us. He paid that price for us. He redeemed us. He loved us so much. He paid the ultimate price for us. That makes you valuable. You are critical. You are important. The Bible, this is the sweet, I I read this verse and it mm, it rocked me. This is in Psalm uh, 139. It says, the Lord's thoughts toward you outnumber the sand on the seashore. Think about that. His thoughts toward you, Caleb number two. (laughs) His thoughts toward you outnumber the sand on the seashore. Go pick up a a bunch of sand. It's just a little bit, right? But it's a lot, but it's a little. But yet his thoughts for you outnumber that. For each grain, there's a thought. For you. That's a steep price, y'all. If that don't make you feel good, something is wrong. Wake up, man. You know how much he loves you? You know how much value you are, Caleb, too? says this here. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and that you are not your own, for you have been what? Bought with a price. He bought you back. He redeemed you. He bought you back. Whatever the price was for you to get you back, he was willing to pay it. When something is valuable, you'll do it. If it's not valuable, you'll be like, man, I ain't paying that. If somebody said they had a pack of gum, it's hundred dollars. You're like, whoa, it's not worth that. But when it's worth it, you'll do what? You pay it quickly. That's what he's there. That's what he's there for you. He's there for us. It says this in First Peter. One. It says this: knowing that you were not redeemed or bought back or purchased. All right, listen. You were, not, you were not redeemed with perishable things like silver and gold uh, uh, from your futile way of life inherited from your forefathers, but you were redeemed or bought back with what? With the precious blood. You see that little sister? As of a lamb unblemished and spotless, the blood of Christ. That's what brought you back. The life of perfect, perfect, perfect Jesus brought you back. Now it makes sense why God thinks about you all day. That makes sense now, right? He think about you all day, bro. All day. While you're not even thinking, he's thinking about you. Because his son bled and died for you. That makes you very, very, very important. You got that? That's who you are, homeboy. You got that? All right, here we go. I am. I am what? I am justified. I'm declared innocent. Woo-hoo. That gets me fired up. This is what I see. I see this right here. Justified. Y'all know those rubber stamps? 
those things that like you you put it in the ink and then you mm, y'all know and it says approved or declined or whatever right those big rubber stamps he has a rubber stamp right here and he got it all dipped in the blood of Jesus right here that's how you get the ink and he says this justified innocent righteous So when he looks at you, he doesn't see a filthy sinner that he would get mad at, that he would want to destroy and kill. He sees innocent, justified, righteous, covered in my son's blood. Hey, and here's what innocent means. Innocent means you did it and then he forgave you for it. Innocent means this. He looks at you as if you've never done it. He took forgiveness to a whole nother level. He looks at you as if you never done it, Caleb, too. So he doesn't look at you like, yeah, he did it, but yeah, I forgave him, but he probably going to do it again. No, he looks at you like, you know what? You're my, hey, I love you, son. And I know you're just, hey, you're a great dude. That's how he looks at us. He sees you justified, man. Clean, righteous, like you never did it. Don't you want him to look at you that way? Man, that's awesome. That's who you are, though. As Christians, that's who we are. Don't get it twisted. Don't get it, don't get it mistaken. Don't think that you're a trickster, that you're Jacob. This is not who you are. This is who you are. Y'all good with that? It says this. Galatians 2.16. Nevertheless, knowing that a man is not, is not justified by the works of the law, but through faith in Christ Jesus. Even we have believed in Christ Jesus so that we may be justified. Every time you read the word justified, you should be like. Because it, mm. y'all see that? So that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law, since the works of the law, no flesh can be just, will be justified. I'm so glad that Jesus justifies me. I'm so glad. Because if it was left up to me, I'm going to screw it up every single time. And I'm going to fail over and over and over again. And he'll always look at me and be like, no, 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 no. But when he looks down at me and he sees justifies, he says, yep, come on. That's who you are. My bald brother, we got a lot of surface area for him to stamp justified off. Most people could just only get it in the front. We can get it all over. So it don't matter. Wherever, wherever God looks, he sees justified. All the, brother, all the bald brothers stand united. All right. Yeah. Solidarity. Here we go. If you're balding, go ahead and take it off. Just, just get it over with. Just, let it, just take it off and let's just go with it. Don't try to hang on to that one piece of hair you got. It ain't working. <laughs> I'm just joking. All right. I am. I am what? Oh, oh, this is awesome. I am entitled to a clean conscience. Y'all know the devil spends a lot of his time reminding you of the crap and the guilt and all the mess from yesterday. You know that? That's what he does all the time. He sits there and he's just reminding you over and over and over and over again. 
Why are you sitting in church? You know you shouldn't be here. You know what you did last night? These are all holy people, and you know what you did last night. You're not worthy to sit in this place. That's why nobody's sitting around you. <laughs> Same with you. <laughs> they were there, but they left you. That's what they're going to do. But that's what he does, am I right? He wants to isolate you, and he's going to come after you, and he wants to make you feel guilty, like, oh, I'm not worthy, I'm not worthy, who am I? I am entitled to a clear and a clean conscience. Stop beating yourself up. Stop saying, oh, I'm such a this, I'm such a bad person, I'm such a, I'm not worthy, I'm not, you know. He clears all that. When the enemy, let me tell y'all something. What Jesus Christ did for us, on the cross is he took that mess that you did last night and all the other stuff that's been in your life he took all of that and nailed it to the cross your sin from the past present and even future stuff he nailed it to the cross so when the enemy wants to come and remind you of all the mm, mm, you point to the cross and say it's done it's done I'm not going to let you put me in that that box, I'm not going to let you put me in that pit. I'm not going to let you. It's nailed to the cross. I'm clear. I'm free. My mind is right. Hallelujah. And if you mess up and fall and you do something stupid, that's okay. You know what, Lord, forgive me. I'm sorry. I repent. I am. I ain't. It's to the cross. Entitled to a clean conscience. It says this in Hebrews 9. How much more with the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God. For what? Hold on. Read that underlying part. Read it with some, 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 uh, some urgency. Read it. You see what I'm talking about, sister? Clears your conscience of all the dead works that are nailed to the cross. To serve the living God. You got that? Clear conscience, man. Clear conscience allow you to run free and be free in Jesus. The clear conscience allow you when, when Lincoln is up here singing, you can raise your hand and just worship God because you know you're free to do it. The guilt don't follow you. When guilt follows you, when guilt follows you and it's nipping at your tail and it's grabbing at you, trying to pull you back, you turn around and you say, tell guilt, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever and keep on walking. Y'all get that, right? Y'all get that, right? That's what you are. This is who I am. This is who you are. Here we go. Let's keep going. I am what? Separated from your sin. I'm done. Back in the Old Testament, they would offer up all these animals and, and turtle doves and bulls and lambs and goats to atone or just to cover up their sin. Jesus came to do something a whole different thing. I'm not covering up your sin. I am taking it away. 
So when he looks down, he doesn't see a sin. He sees a clear slate. It says this. John, John the Baptist said it first. He said the next day when he saw Jesus coming to him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who does what? He says to cover up the sin of the world, to hide the way, to hide the sin of the world, to do what? Where is it? It's gone. Gone. That's enough to make you cry right there. The sin is gone. It says in Psalm 103, as far as the east is from the west, so far have I separated that mess out of your life. Let me tell you why that's so significant. It's one of those things that pop. If you stood at the equator and you walked east, you can walk all the way across, you can walk around the world, all the way back into that spot, only walking east. If you turned around and you walked west, it would be the exact same thing. You can walk all the way around the earth and come back only walking west. So when he says, I've separated the sins, your sins away from you as far as the east is from the west, that's an infinite distance. It's not like north and south. You can't do that north and south. If you're at this point, you start walking north, at some point you will be walking so there's a mark of de- there's a mark here. There's a, a line of that you cross. So your sins could be here and you could be here, and they still really close. I don't want them close to me. I want them far away from me, as far as the east is from the west. The Bible says he's taken your sin and he's put them behind his back. What's behind God's back? If we serve an omnipresent God who's everywhere, who stands outside of time and space, who is everywhere. So when he says he took your sin and he put it behind your back, his back, them things are gone, bro. Gone. They're in places that don't even exist. Mm. You think he love you? That's who you are, though. That's who you are, separated from your sin. Let's keep going. We're going to skip a little bit, okay, brother? That's cool with you, boss? All right. Roll with me. Go to 21. Can you go to 21? I am what? That's a nice place to be, huh? From the minute sin entered into the world, human beings and God have been like this. But when we accept Jesus Christ, all of a sudden we're at peace with God. The beef, the problems, the issues, over. The problems that he has with you, done. Y'all get that? It says this. It says this. In Romans chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, having been what? Y'all see that, right? That's just why I keep coming up, don't it? All right. Since I've been justified by faith, we have what? Through Jesus Christ, you have what? Without Jesus Christ, you have 
is the difference. You only have peace through Jesus Christ. Without Jesus Christ, you have no peace. Y'all get that, right? We're good. Let's keep moving. But that's who you are. So when your life is a mess, things are going crazy in your life, I'm at peace with God. That's why Jesus can say, peace be still and everything is good. It was all good with him. It didn't matter. Peace doesn't mean no conflict, just means it's okay when there is conflict. I am what? Mm. So now that I know I'm at peace with God, now that I know I'm justified, now that I know I'm very valuable, now that I know I'm loved, how do I act now? I, I, I have to act and I have to live righteously. And this righteousness doesn't come from you. It doesn't come from obeying the law. This righteousness comes from Jesus himself. That's how he wants you to live from here on out, my friend. All that mess is there, nailed to the cross. Now, you put on a new garment. This new garment is called my righteousness, and that's how I want you to go from here on out. You got that? It says this. Go to the next verse. This is what it looks like. You, in all your unrighteousness, me with all my filthiness, I gave that to Jesus, and he nailed that to the cross. And in exchange, he gave me his righteousness. That's nice, man. That's sweet. That's the best deal ever. I don't even know how Jesus did that, but I'll take it. Here we go. What did it say in the word there, my friend? It says, he, he made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we may become the. Y'all get that, right? He who had no sin took all of mine took all of yours, so that in turn he can give us his righteousness. That makes me feel good, Caleb. I don't know about you, boss. That makes me feel great. That makes me look at myself differently. You understand? All right. Let's keep going. I am what? We have, a, we have a thing as Christians. It's not that it's wrong, but I just want to change the focus a little bit. We walk around here all the time like, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. I'm just making it. I'm just, oh, God, oh, I'm just struggling, Lord. Oh, Jesus, help me. Listen, let me tell you something. I'm made new. I'm new. I'm fresh. I'm clean. I'm new. I'm not the same guy. So stop relating me to my past. I'm a sinner saved by grace. That was the old mark. That ain't me. That got nailed to the cross. I'm new. Refer to me to my new name. I'm Israel. I'm not Jacob anymore. I'm not a liar. That got nailed to the cross. I'm new. Use my new name. Stop walking around like this. You're new, man. Y'all get that? What does it say in the Word? What does it say? Read that, man. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is, new he is a new creature. He's what? A new creature. New! 
new. So even when you look in the mirror, it's a new you looking back at you. Man, that's every day. That's every day. That's real living right there. You can still have the scars on your face. You can still have the old tattoos. You can still have the old mess. But that's okay. It's a new you. Y'all got that? Man, I tell you what. That's enough right there to get to float me a whole nother week. I can make it a whole nother week just because of that right there. Y'all think this Christian life easy, man? No, it's not. But I can make it because I'm new. Y'all with me, right? All right, here we go. Let's keep going because we're almost done, man. We got to keep going. This is awesome. This is awesome. Yeah, we're good. We can keep going. We can go on. <laughs> what does it say in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 24? That's slide 28, my friend. And put on the new self, which is in the likeness of God and has been created in. How should you live, young man, from here on out? Because that's who you are. You see that? That's who you are now. You're not that old dude. You're this guy now. Be this guy. Wear those clothes. Y'all get where I'm coming from, right? Oh, man. This is what we got to do. Let's keep moving. We're almost done. Next one, my brother. Let's go to slide 31. Oh, no, no, no. Excuse me. Let's go to slide 30. Go to slide 30. This scripture right here changed my life, Caleb 1. Changed my life. Because I was still dealing with the old me. The old me kept trying to rear his ugly head. The old me kept trying to grab me and pull me back. And then it was like, wait a minute. Ho, 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 ho. Time out. I have been crucified with Christ. That's the old me. It's nailed to that cross. I don't care what you used to do, Bruce. God don't care. It's there. I don't care what you used to do. God don't care. It's there. I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live. Well, wait a minute. <laughs> what am I doing then? But Christ lives in me. My life is wrapped up in his life. As long as he's living, I'm living. Why was it so important for us? Why is it so important for, for us to celebrate Resurrection Day or Easter? Because as long as he's living, I'm living. He rose, right? That means he is alive. And if he's alive, guess what? I'm alive. Come on, y'all. Y'all get that? Man, that, I'm alive because of, he's alive. Not because I'm a good guy. Not because I'm the defensive coordinator. Not because I'm this and I'm that. It has nothing to do with me. It has everything to do with him. Because he's alive, I'm alive, bro. You're alive, bro. You have life because of him. You get where I'm coming from, right? Amen. But Christ lives in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Why does that keep coming back up? Come on, man. Y'all get this, right? 
Last but not least, I am what? Position of authority. Let's just read this. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 6. Let's read this. And raised us up with him and seated us with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Listen, y'all. Simply put, when Jesus died and rose again, and the Bible says he ascended into heaven and now sits at the right hand of the Father, that's a place of authority. That's big time. God, Jesus sitting at his right hand. Right hand represents strength. This is my strong side, and he's sitting right there. And the Bible just told us that we are what? Seated with him. Holy mackerel. Are you kidding me? Why do we walk around here like a bunch of losers? Why do we walk around here, oh, I'm struggling with this and I'm struggling with that? Man, you in a place of authority, man. Act that way. Look at stuff, call it what it is, and get it out of your way. Stop struggling with this mess. You're in a place of authority. You're sitting right here with Jesus. You think he's going to deal with that mess? Don't you deal with it. Jesus walked in with just healing people, man. Healing people. Come on. Stop dealing with the mess like that and call it for what it is. Sin, get out of my life. Sicknesses, this, that, and the other, get out of my life. I'm seated with him. When you see me, you see him. Do y'all get that? Oh, Lord, I might offend him if I say something about Jesus. What? Huh? You're sitting in the place of authority. Act that way. Don't be afraid. The enemy, he wants to keep you thinking that you're not. But when he realizes that you realize that you sit in the place of authority, now you have become dangerous and now he's afraid of you. Until then, he wants to keep you ignorant. He wants to keep you thinking, oh, I'm just making it through. I ain't making it through, man. We got the crown already. Let's go. Y'all get where I'm coming from? This makes sense, y'all? This black and white stuff here, man. This, real, this ain't deep, crazy theological stuff. This is just who you are. And half of us don't even know it. But now we know it now. So let's go. We know it now. We have more time. We can go into, because, look, let me tell you something. Just walking around this authority, you just can't walk around naked. You got to have yourself some armor. Ephesians chapter 6, that's your homework. Go do that. You, you, if you're going to stand up here like the king, you got to be ready to be the king. Because people don't like the king all the time. Mm. Y'all see that, right? That's your homework. That's your homework. My friends, my friends, can you go back to slide 31? I am loved by the Father. I'm purchased at a steep price. I'm very valuable. 
I am justified. I am declared innocent. I'm declared righteous. I'm entitled to a clear conscience, a clean conscience. I am separated from my sin. I am at peace with God. I am clothed in the righteousness of Jesus. I am made new. I'm born again. I am seated with Christ, and I am in the place of authority. Hey, so when I ask, who are you, you got a pretty long answer. But this is who we are. This is who we are. And guess what? This is just the tip of the iceberg. This is just a few things. Let's stand up. Lord God, I pray in the name of your son, Jesus, that your Holy Spirit, Lord God, by its power, Lord God, that we will realize and see and understand who we are. Lord God, I pray that this message and the, the words that have, you have spoken, Lord God, will sink deeply into our hearts, Lord God, so that we can begin to identify who we really are in Christ. Lord God, no longer are we Jacob. No longer are we the trickster. No longer are we the liar, but we are the one who has wrestled with God. And Lord God, I want to spend my days wrestling with you. Because, Lord God, when I have the encounter with you, my life changed. And I pray in the name of Jesus, Lord God, that we will realize and know who we are in Christ. Lord God, I pray for that man and that woman, that person, that young person out there, Lord Jesus, who doesn't know you. Because, Lord God, if they don't know you, if they haven't submitted and given their lives to Jesus Christ, none of this applies to them. And how sad is that? But, Lord God. They believe in you and trust in you, Lord God. If they confess with their mouth, Lord God, that Jesus is Lord and believe in their heart that God has raised them from the dead, then they will be saved. And guess what? All of this does then apply to them. Oh, Holy Spirit, thank you, God, for loving us and making us new men and women in Christ, changing our name, giving us value, knowing that we're loved. We give you honor, God, and we praise you and we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Amen.